Artcentric Podcast with Rafi and Klee. Hola, you amazing artist. It's Rafi and Klee. And today we're going to talk about the things that inspire creating. Uh, on the social media challenge uh, for this week on the Rogue site, I had posted today um, to tell the story about when you start creating. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the Rogues responded. They did their own social media posts and they were like, um, always forever. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, I don't know that I started. I just, this is how it's always been. Yeah. Which is funny because that's what the question was meant to bring up. Cause same thing with me. Like if you were to ask me like, so when did you start creating art? I would be like, well, always, you know, mm-hmm. as far back as I can remember, Yeah, I've been creating something. I was one of those kids too, for sure. Yeah. So, um, in case you guys are wondering, uh, anybody that's listening at home, not wondering, but anybody that's listening at home, we have our amazing rogues here. So if you hear us reading a comment, um, that is us reading a comment from the rogues. Them chiming in with their brilliance. Exactly. Right now, right before the stream, we were having a conversation about the worm moon. Which... Uh, I guess was a very excellent moon to behold. Yeah, and a staggering amount of our rogues got to see it, and we just found out about it now. So yeah, um, for anybody that is listening to this now, it's probably going to be too late for you to go out and see the worm moon. But... So hopefully you saw it. Yeah, hopefully you saw it. <laughs> hopefully you're one of them. <laughs> the fortunate ones who saw it yep and gobbles gossip is here hi gobbles gossip hi tish hi zara hi jenny you have to look it up it was shocking to unexpectedly see it oh yeah okay well we're definitely going to look up the worm moon most definitely and anybody at home listening to this look up the worm moon mm-hmm. just cause tish says um birth <laughs> valerie yeah. says always creating yep <laughs> Always creating. You know, I think about um, that question, right? And I think about what it is that inspires me to create. Like, what are the things that inspire you? A lot of times artists will be asked that question like, so what inspired this or what inspired that? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's always interesting when somebody asks me that question because every work seems to be inspired by something different. And it could be... A feeling that I'm having that day. It could be, you know, that we went for a walk and the certain shades of flowers with the green and the, you know, certain shades of color and, or the way that the values look in the, in the shadows and stuff like that will inspire me. I might see someone or a photograph or something Mm -hmm. that inspires me. Maybe their body language is saying something. There's a reason why those things stand out to me. And Something inside of my brain, and I think especially now that I've been doing our consistency for consistently for so many years, something inside of my brain will be like, Oh, I wanna I wanna try that. I wanna I wanna do this thing. Or, or interpret that in some or way. Or I wanna say this. A lot of times the inspiration comes from having conversations with you or with the rogues. Mm-hmm. Um just especially because the artist journey in of itself is one of resilience. You know, it's one of determination and resilience. It's really easy to say like, oh, I want to be an artist, right? But then when you go into the process of being an artist, the first thing you have to do is start sharing this very personal thing to you that Mm -hmm. you might have been, you know, you might have been a closet artist for years and creating stuff, but you only showed close friends and family. And then now it's time for you to take this stuff and put it out in the world where it's going to face rejection, criticism, 
uh, being ignored and all the other great fun <laughs> things that come with being an artist. Definitely. Leah says half the time the pieces just happen. Sometimes I have a backstory. Sometimes I don't. Well, yeah. Susan said, I started doing art in my mid-40s, did other things as I did not think I could do art, inspiring to create the outdoors. The outdoors, yeah. So both of those things are things I want to touch on because I got thinking about it this morning and I was like, there's so many different avenues that inspiration can find you. Um, One of the most, uh, one of the ones that I had never thought of before, but I thought of today or maybe I thought of it, but it's kind of background inspiring is necessity. Some of, some of the things that I create is because I go looking for it and then I'm confounded at the idea that it doesn't exist and then I set out to create it. I think that that's great because my my biggest thing is like I create what I want to see, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important to think about that because you might be inspired by a painting, mm-hmm. but it's not, you know, if you're an artist and, and you paint... You might be inspired by somebody else's art, but it's not quite exactly what you want to see. Mm-hmm. And that's where that's where th- you get inspired by some th- some other person's creation, right? And then you want to create what you want to see. I love I love what Leith says here, um, which is that sometimes it just happens. And in those cases, Leith, what I think to myself is the art itself, the process of creation is inspiring in of itself, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's what's inspiring the work. And the cool thing is that later on, um, in those cases, when I sit with the work, I'll start to see a, something a little bit deeper, something a little bit, a reason why that piece came together that way. And, and it's one of the reasons that I think that it's important to sit with your work. Like a lot of us don't really think about it when we're creating art, but I think it's really important to sit back and like really look at the work and and sit with sit with your work and examine the work and really think to yourself why would i create this why why does this appeal to me why did i want to do this mm-hmm. like what is it about this what is it saying to me and i always think that that's important because like developing that relationship with your work and it doesn't have to be deep or anything like that but developing that relationship with your work not only gives you a really clear direction on where your inspirations can come from, but it also gives you a a clear way to talk about your art. Most definitely, which can be like one of the trickiest things for artists is to like, what should I say about the artwork? Yeah. Uh, Mary said, I've always created something clothes for my dolls, crocheting, latch hooking. Then I discovered painting in my preteens. That was also me. I definitely created clothing for my dolls when I was little. I had a a, a radio show that no, like, as a little kid, you know, like, no one's going to hear your radio show, but I would record, like, radio show with songs and stuff on I my little that. tapes, <laughs> my hot pink boom box. Oh, wow. Now we're doing podcasts. It's like you're recording a radio show. Yeah, I've been podcasting since I was, like, five. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jenny said, my mom is a creative genius. I came out of the shoot, haha, surrounded by all the artist magic with no one to tell me I shouldn't, oh, which that's, is great. That's awesome. That's awesome, Jenny. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, think about that. And like, I had creative stuff in the house, mm-hmm. right? But none of my parents like really did any of that stuff. To be honest with you, I was introduced to painting from Bob Ross, but even before that... 
I was just kind of creating stuff. I would take paper and like rip it or the benefit was I grew up in the jewelry store. Right. So there were all kinds of tools and things that I could play with as a kid. And create with, yeah. Um, so wax. We had a lot of wax because, you know, when you do lost wax casting. Mm-hmm. So I was able to shape sculpture as, as a little kid. And obviously there was always a pen and paper somewhere. Diane said, light and nature inspire me. I'm hugely inspired by light, too, as a jeweler. I'm inspired by how light interacts with surfaces and with stones and is refracted through stones. That's where values come from. Mm -hmm. Like shadows, shadows on the face especially, really. There's something about that that's super inspiring. Gobble said, I was about three or four. One of my first obsessive creative things to do was to create geometric designs within the triangles of small white letter envelopes. It was like the perfect way to end every day. I love that. That's awesome. I love that. I uh, That was one of my things too, especially like in the olden days um, when you had the phone with the long cord stuck to the wall and you were talking and you'd be kind of trapped somewhere. Yep. And I'd always have a sketch and paper and just, it was just designs, weird designs. The doodles. I would often doodle at work on certain jobs that allowed for it. If I had pen and paper, I would doodle. One particular job I started at like 5 a.m. So I would doodle um, all different kinds of weird sketches with blue pen. Yeah. Uh, Gobbles Gossip says, yes, the work comes alive if you let it. Exactly. mm -hmm. Yeah, overthinking, and that's the thing. It's like we get inspired to create, whether it's in front of us, whether we know that we're being inspired. I think it's the overthinking. When you start thinking too much about of something, that's where it gets. That's where I see artists like stressing out and like messing up, and it's like, oh, I gotta cover this thing. Oh, I gotta do this, and it's like you just kind of get let it do its thing. Let it do its thing. And roll with it. Yesterday, I created something that was born out of a mistake. Um, I set out to make one thing and I had a moment where I, I forced my torch a little too much and I melted part of it. So instead of scrapping it, I decided to see what direction I could go with it. And I invented a ring that I had never seen before. It's a beautiful ring too. (laughs) So sometimes inspiration comes from like having to roll with a mistake or, change direction i mean i think i think some of the coolest techniques that i've developed is where i've rolled with a mistake and then just tried something new Mm -hmm. um so like i i will push i will push something to the limits um to try to get it back to where i want it to be but there always comes that point where i just let go and just let it let it do its thing Mm -hmm. uh tish said i'm inspired by everything Exactly, Tish. Too many ideas, too little time. So I pick the ones that will challenge me the most as overcoming difficulty is super gratifying and sometimes it can sell. And that's one of the reasons that I think that it's important to have some kind of journal with you where you could write down like those moments where you are inspired to write them down, understanding full well that you might not get to them all, but at least you have a list of things for those moments where you might be like, I don't know what to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so another way that inspiration finds me is when I acquire a skill or a skill set from doing one thing. And then with my newfound skill, I want to see how I can apply it in other areas. So like when I first learned the Viking knit wire weaving technique, I wanted to see how many different ways I could utilize it in jewelry creation Or like um, I used to volunteer and do set design and I learned 
uh, I learned about paper mache, and then I translated that to like large scale fabric mache, and then that came in handy for our art installation when we had to figure out how to do large scale stuff. And so it was like taking that acquired skill set and seeing how many different ways in which you can utilize that in like you've never done before. And experimenting and playing. So um, I guess experimenting. Yeah, experimenting and playing is really inspiring, mm-hmm. especially when you allow yourself to just kind of let loose and create something. That's one of the reasons that when I was doing I was doing an art class uh or I did one art class and it was called Let Loose and Paint with Rafi. Mm-hmm. And I brought in all kinds of unconventional materials that, you know, artists don't typically use, like dirt and, like, things like that for texture. And the whole idea behind it was to kind of like the, the Collab Lab challenge that we have on Rogue site this, mo- this month, which is to just kind of let go. Just just let go and let yourself create. Because mm-hmm. uh, kind of like what Leith says here, um, that one of the inspiration is to you know, release high intense emotions yeah, and that still drives a lot of the work. And a lot of times that's where it's coming from. Definitely. A lot of my songs come from that place of heightened emotion mm-hmm. on whatever end of the spectrum it is. Yeah. Um, and it adds that even if they aren't my emotions and that's the thing is empathy, right? Mm-hmm. As artists, a lot of times we want to capture something that we're feeling about something else or some what someone else is going through and allowing yourself to go there really you're able to really be inspired by that kind of somebody else's story a song that you heard a story that you read um our artwork tends to become very uh fantasy-esque when we're listening to like the Dresden Files audiobooks in the studio. <laughs> Most definitely. And I would even say that I'm influenced by a lot of the imagery that I saw in childhood books. Um, and I had a lot of childhood books that had like glorious crystals and sparkly things in them that I really liked a lot. And so aesthetic wise like you can go that far back and say like oh i i from an early age like i was interested in how light bounced off of things and so on and so forth and you got to think about those things that do inspire you you know like i'm fascinated by color and i'm mm-hmm. fascinated by stuff i was the kid that was laying on the beach looking at the grains of sand and picking out the different nuances of color that I would see within the grains of sand, right? I was fascinated by that and how some of them were sparkly and some of them weren't. And there were other kids that just like were at the beach and like ran into water and like, you know, roughhoused and played around. And that's the thing, like that's not my place of inspiration. That's not where I am. And mm-hmm. and so my artwork reflects that the in 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 a way. And I think that that's the thing. It's like you yourself, the way that you view the world really does inspire you. So it's kind of like everything. Everything around you has the possibility to inspire you in Definitely. one way or another. Crystal said, I first started drawing the USS Enterprise. I was like four or five and obsessed with getting it right the days before recording shows and freeze framing. Yes. I can picture little you drawing the Enterprise. It's funny because we're not always aware of how we're putting stuff together when we see something or we see a bunch of things that like coalesce somewhere in our minds to to go on to create. Rafi and I have been watching classic Star Trek recently and last night um, 
we watched an episode, I think it was called Mirror Mirror, which is a great episode, but what caught my eye was actually a blue ring that Lieutenant Uhura had on her finger, and I found myself staring at it thinking like, what stone would that be? Like, if I could source a stone like that, and like, I liked the chunkiness of it, and I kind of liked, you know, you can't get a good look at it when it's something Mm -hmm. like that on a set. But thinking, like, I'd like to find a really chunky blue stone like that and put it in a setting, right? And it's funny. It's <laughs> funny how those things inspire you. But it's also what's interesting about that is that these are the things that we notice, you right. guys, right? So, like, I'm not paying attention to the jewelry on set. What I'm paying attention to is paintings that are on the wall or sculptures or or art like that, right? There have been a few shows that we've watched where I'm like, they totally reused that same painting <laughs> yeah. in like these, you know, in in several sets uh, that were produced by the same company and, and, and things like that. Like you start to notice these things in the background mm-hmm. and our mind is like that. So like if you're fascinated by sculptural elements, you're going to see shapes in just you're about everything everything you see. I most certainly notice uh, the jewelry or the fantasy crystals present in movies and shows, as well as the scores, obviously. Yep. Like, I'm noticing the scores, and if I hear a score or a song that I really, like, gravitate to, then I might sit and think about what is it that I really like about that. Um, for for example, uh, you know, last year I heard the score for The Mandalorian and for Boba Fett, and we actually watched a, a little documentary with the composer mm-hmm. uh, who created those. And I thought, gosh, those are brilliant. And what is it that I really like about those scores? And what direction, if I was going to do something of that thread, like, what would I do uh, yeah. with that? And so it's those things that... When you really start diving in, you kind of can find the connections, like where the inspiration comes from. But it's hard to kind of pin down how what your brain jar does with all that information. That's, that's why, just like what Gobbles Gossip says here, yep, you don't control art like you would hate another person to try and control you. Respect your art. And I think about that's a great statement to make because it kind of works in the same way. It's like... When we set out to create something that is a certain something, we know that there's a lot of work involved in that. That's why, like, a lot of us that do portraiture or something like that, mm-hmm. like, it, there's there are techniques that you need to follow in order to get to an end product, right? But when you're allowing yourself to just go wild on the canvas or just create whatever it is that you're going to create, those elements of what you love, no matter what, even if you're doing portraiture, you know, which is very technical – those elements are still going to show up there, but especially when you're playing around. Like a lot of Klee's jewelry, when I look at it, I can tell that this is created by somebody that has a musical mind. There is a musicness. A rhythm. A rhythm to to the work that she creates. With mine, I was inspired by comic books. Comic books, Star Trek, Star Wars. Um, I love the bright colors and thick lines of the comic books, which is where a lot of my drip texture comes in. Most definitely. So, like, there there are things, elements that you just pick up. For me, as a kid, I was quiet. And so a lot of my art was inspired by the fact that I was able to escape into a different world, which is where sci-fi and fantasy and comic books work. Because, yeah. you you know, as a kid, I had the world that I was in. And a lot of times I didn't want to be there. 
and being able to escape into this. And so my art kind of became that. It became an escape from reality, but an interpretation of reality into something much more fantastic. Now, I don't do it because I want to escape. Now I do it because I understand that the world is magical, and that's what I'm trying to bring out in the artwork. I think, likewise, I'm kind of doing that, too. I like I like my jewelry, and I think this is very fantasy-influenced. I like my pieces to look like they might have existed for thousands of years, but also have like a like a magical and maybe even a contemporary element, like a piece that's not just a piece, but is more like an, a magical artifact. Yeah. Like it does something extra that you're unaware of kind of thing. Uh, Jessica said, I remember looking out the windows on the long bus rides to school in kindergarten and just thinking that the world went by so quickly that I needed to capture it. I still feel the same way. I love that, Jessica. That's awesome. I used to look out the window and I'd picture, because my dad would take long road trips too, Mm -hmm. and I would picture a little version of me jumping on treetops and like, you know, doing flips and stuff like that and trying to keep up and basically saving the world. I had a lot of like saving the world fantasies when I was a kid. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, it's just weird. Yeah. Sarah said, I made my own paper dolls and their clothes. That's awesome. Uh, Valerie said, I do the same. I learn a new skill or a new art supply and it opens up a ton of ideas. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes the, the material or the acquired skill is enough to propel you forward in whatever direction. Yeah. Jenny said, in second grade, we made paper Santas. Mom got called to school because I made a black Santa evidently a red flag to this teacher my mom was so happy about it it still goes on the fridge at christmas oh i love that jenny that's awesome diane said i love fairy tales as a child and the drawings and pictures in the books really sparked my imagination it has stayed with me my whole life yeah Yeah. i feel that diane yeah i had uh i had the the fae book Mm -hmm. the book on fairies um the legit like the the book on fairies and like um, all the all the woodland creatures and the ones the that would clean your house and stuff mm-hmm. and pinch of salt over your shoulder and like the whole nine yards and I also had a book on dragons and I remember just sitting there and you know I'd read the books but it was the illustrations that really really got to me yeah most definitely yeah. that it just as a side <clears throat> tangent that's why I can't believe that in some circles of the art world that illustration is considered like a lesser form of art because it is, it is so so incredibly important and heavily influential on young minds and older minds alike it, like it is one of those things where I'm like you know everybody's gonna throw out a label to try and describe something as art or not art the truth of the matter is if it is something that you created and was inspired by something else or inspired by you or whatever it is then it's art i don't give a shit what whether it's classified as illustration or whatever it's all it's all just art yeah most definitely Um, so on the necessity side of the coin, too, some of my inspiration comes from commissions, and it's born out of the problem-solving mechanisms of um, bringing to life something that somebody wants, and oftentimes they're not fully sure what, what it is that they're looking for. So it's like you're taking your aesthetic and your skill sets and your ideas and applying it to what somebody is telling you that they're looking for and all the moving parts that go with that. And I think that has actually been a huge percentage of new ideas for me. Now, I think just to make that clear, because there's a lot of people that don't 
want to take commissions, you know, yeah. that, that kind of thing. But I think also it's because of the idea of what a commission is, right? I think for the most part, people think that a commission is you're getting hired to do a specific thing and it better be what that person wants versus you're getting hired to collaborate with this person and create something that is still you. Right, because there's a reason they came to you in the first place. And that's because if if it does become this rigid, structured thing, then there is no growth there. There is no figure. Yeah, you're going to figure it out, but it's not something that you're going to retain. Right. Whereas if you are creating something that you enjoy and you have to figure out like, well, how the hell am I going to make this happen? Mm -hmm. Then it, then it becomes a fun challenge. Then it's a really fun and exciting challenge. And I, I feel fortunate. And I, I know that this is largely due to my ability to be selective and say yes or say no. But almost all of my commissions that I've taken have fallen in that Goldilocks zone of like within my wheelhouse aesthetically and also a slight challenge to push myself beyond um, and, and problem solve and really find that combination of things that's going to inspire me to do it and is going to be the thing that the client didn't even realize they wanted usually in the, you know, or, or they knew they wanted it, but that combination, that's like a beautiful melting pot, uh, when you're collaborating with another person. I think you created that situation though, because you've gotten very used to saying no to the things that are not and saying yes. And, you know, it takes it takes a moment to get there because when you start taking commissions, a lot of times people would advise just take take anything. You want to make some money, take take everything. Right, which I did in the beginning. And you <laughs> very quickly learned that like that sucks. Yeah. That sucks really bad. Now, and it's not inspiring. It just it's not inspiring and it becomes a big headache. I definitely acquired some skills early on saying yes to everything, but yeah, you're absolutely mm-hmm. correct. Um Jenny said, it always reminds me that it's all okay. Just because someone says you shouldn't doesn't mean you shouldn't. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You do. And that's the, the reality of it, whether it's an art teacher or um, I actually have one of the private rogue podcasts that are going up on the community site mm-hmm. is going to be releasing on uh, Saturday where I talk about artist mentors that are out there, the ones that get on my nerves. Um, and that's the problem. There's going to be a quote unquote authority that is always going to say, this is right, this is wrong, you shouldn't do this, they're going to get offended by it, they're going to whatever. And really, at the end of the day, like, it's your creation, screw them. If they don't like it, they don't have to look at it and, you know, let your people come and look at it, no matter what it is. most definitely. Valerie said those music scores are great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, Sometimes with music, it's um, um, like a real-time moment is happening. And I think to myself, I got to tell this story. Yeah. I got to tell this story. Whether it's goofy, like it's the goofy, ridiculous song that I wrote called Architectural Rap Battles because we had to sit in a meeting for four hours to get approval for a mural. That I started without <laughs> approval. Or on, a, on the main street in downtown Pensacola. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's a very personal song, like one that I'm writing called Fools, where I'm sitting up here folding my underwear, wondering how much time I spend doing menial tasks, and a song is born. Um, so, and and it, a painting could be that way too, right? Yeah. I've got to tell this story, whether it's about you or a human that you're seeing 
going through something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's all it's all telling a story, whether mm-hmm. it's creating a piece of jewelry or some art or writing a song or writing a, a story, even a, a book mm-hmm. or a blog or anything, really putting a video out there like you're you're telling some kind of story. Um, and that's all part of being an artist, really. That's where it drives me crazy when I ask someone, when somebody's like, yeah, why am I not getting any traction on social media? Or like, nobody's really paying attention to the art. I'm like, because you're not saying anything. You're just supposed to be like, this piece is done. DM me if you like. And I'm like, that's not, I, the, the art is going to draw someone in, right? Because of your inspire, your inspiration, the thing that inspired you to create it, it's going to draw them in. It, they're inspired to draw in. But if there's nothing there, there's no relationship, no story, no nothing, um, then what are you doing? Like, it, it just, there's nothing, there's nothing that's going to really tell what that work means to you. And that's why I think it's important, like, having this conversation of what is, what are the things that inspire me? Or what inspired this piece? What could have possibly inspired me to create this work of art? Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back at stuff, like there's no reason for me to bring up like comic books that I looked at when I was like four years old, you know, five, six years old. But I know that somewhere in there it inspires me. And that's only after looking at so much art. Definitely. And you can see it in your work, not just the aesthetic, like with the dark lines and the drip texture, but usually comic books have a very empowering narrative yeah, um, and a hero's journey story arc which obviously you locked onto from an early age. Yeah. So, yeah, aesthetically and emotionally. Jenny says it always... Uh, nope, that's not what Jenny... Jenny says mine was coloring books, the ones with the really thick lines. Oh, yeah, Jenny, your, your art... I, I, I'm just noticing that now. Yeah, yeah, your art is has those thick lines. I love your art, Jenny, by the way. Yeah. Mary's like, Rafi, do you remember the names of the books? Oh, Mary, I would have to, like, really sit down and think about what the names are. Yeah, we'll have to share that with you guys at a future time when if Rafi could recall. Yep. Mary said, I'm an illustrator and I consider myself an artist. In fact, one of my illustrations is in a gallery show this month. Yes, that exactly, exactly. So poo-poo on all those people out there that have said... Anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, ooh, it gets, ooh, I, I get so angry. It gets you fired up. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, I'm segueing again, sometimes it's the material itself, right? You get like a new thing, like a gel medium or a new tool or... And then you want to play. You want to play. You want to play. Or yeah. you get, like in my case, it could be a tool. It could be a, a rock. And I'm like, this rock is just so incredible. I have to make something... Uh, I have to make this. I have a crystal that I've been hanging on to forever and ever because it looks like the butt end of a like an alien bug. And I want to make like a really beautiful insect. Like an Egyptian style? Well, not like a scarab. It has a different shape. But, but yes, that same kind of mood. Oh, that's so cool. Of like this mythical bug. But I want it to be like super beautiful. And the reason I've been hanging on to it for years and years is because I didn't have the skill set to do what I saw in my mind's eye. Yeah. So now that I do, I think then I can create that vision. I think that sounds that sounds amazing. And it's all because I saw an alien bug butt in, yeah. a, in a crystal. Yeah. 
<laughs> Diane said, it is sad that people don't value art in schools. Creating art means learning to problem solve on extremely important. Yeah, creating art, it's, it's divergent thinking. And that's one of the issues, Diane, that divergent thinking is schools, not all schools, but the majority of the public school system is set up for just following rules. And divergent thinking is about taking things and turning them into something else, right? So the idea there is you look at a bottle of a bottle of water and then you think to yourself, how many 50 different ways uh, can I utilize this? You know, whether cutting it up and stuff. And there's convergent thinking ways, which is like this is how it's typically used as a container or whatever. And then there's completely divergent thinking ways, things that that was never intended for. And artists tend to break things down into its separate segments and then create something new. You talk about this in the book. You need convergent and divergent thinking in order to uh, conceptualize a thing. You need divergent thinking. And in order to execute said thing, you need convergent thinking. And you need them not at the same time. You need them to be... (laughs) At different times. And and you learn that from creating art and using materials. And especially when you allow yourself not to follow art creation in the step one, I do this. Step two, I do this. Step three, I do this. Step four, I do this. And this is how it's supposed to be done. Where you do allow yourself to experiment and go off script. That's where that's where problem solving really happens. Zara said, yeah, if I do commissions, it has to be because they wanted my style or my influence. Exactly. Definitely, that's Zara. the only time that we should take commissions. Yeah. Like, the, the, really, I I don't understand... I guess because I've been taking commissions for so long, early on, maybe it made me, but like, I don't understand why not, especially if you could say no, you know, if it's not for you, then it's not for you. it's not for you. But if it's something that like when they're telling you, oh, I love this and you get excited about it, then yeah, why not? Why not do it? Tish says, I don't take commissions. Guidelines maybe, but in order to create, I need the freedom to go where the mediums take me. I don't want to disappoint anyone either, so I don't set myself up for it. Yeah, and that's part of it, Tish. And the thing is, like in the get-go, you you just want to have an agreement with the person and tell them, like, listen, this is how it's going to be. I've told people, like, I've never done that before. I don't know where it's going to go. Totally. I said that too. And. They, because they came to me specifically for it, they're like, you know what? I don't care, Rafi. You just do, do your magic. And for the most part, when you say that, people are, they do have that reaction. They're like, great. That'll be exciting. Yeah. And if they're not your people, then they'll be like, well, you know, I want it to be. It's like, well, then Then go somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah. Then it's not going to work out. I used to always feel stress about commissions for like the first handful of years always stressed out even if it was something that I knew for sure I could do like I just always felt the stress of not wanting to let someone down and it the the stress and the pressure got so bad that um I thought I was gonna stop taking commissions that's the part that makes them not fun because you set yourself up right from the get-go to be all stressed about it Mm -hmm. and you know you you gotta realize like it's it's the same as creating and you're going to be figuring things out for the rest of your life when it comes to art. So as long as you take that, as long as that person is willing to go on that journey with you, then you know that it's a right fit. 
If, yeah. If not, then no. I, I think for me too, like I deliberately did a lot of internal work when it came to my feelings about commissions um, to get out of that mindset. Because yeah, who in their right mind would want to do a commission if it's nothing but stress? Yeah. But I realized like so much of it was self, all of it was self-imposed stress. <laughs> it's always self-imposed. Liz says, I'm not ready for commissions yet. Need to work on some skills first. Your skills are badass, but you do you yeah. when it comes to all that stuff. That's the thing is everyone gets to make that choice. And on the note of what Tish said, um, art prompts can be awesome sources of inspiration, yep. which is the reason that we launched Collab Lab within our rogue member community. It's because they're very loose art prompts just to send you off in a direction. But from there on, it's like you get to entirely decide. Oh, yeah. You get to decide what which direction you're going to head and just let the materials do what they do. And, you know, and I think that that's the reason when it comes to commissions, it's still part of my creation. Like mm-hmm. I'm creating what I want to create. It's just a collaboration of ideas. Um, so that's that's why there's no pressure there. But if you d- you are feeling pressure, then definitely it's a it's a look inside the brain jar to see see what's going on. What's going on there? Zara said, "Fools" is a fun song. <clears throat> Thank you, Zara. Gobble said, "I am so thankful that my conception of what music is and how to write songs evolved beyond '90s pop." <laughs> Me and you both. I love which, '90s pop. There's I. Look, there's a place in my heart for for so many. But actually there's um there's something I want to touch on here because uh the more you consume of things that you enjoy, the better your resource pool of inspiration gets, I feel. So when it comes to music, I consume a lot of different types and genres of music. Like we play it all. We are listening to just about everything, which gives you like a, a bigger pool to draw from with inspiration. If you only liked or looked at or had ever seen like one type of visual art, for example, that's not a big like resource pool yeah. to draw from. But because we we have the ability to be exposed to all different kinds of mediums and subject matter and perspectives and genres and ideas, the more you could, like they say, if you want to be a great author, you should read as many books as possible and you should read the work of people that disagree with you. And you should, you, you should look at things and consider things that you don't like, um, and see if you can find something you like in it. Um, so the broader your intake is, I think that lends itself to inspiration Yeah. also. Yeah, it, most definitely, because as long as you're opening up those channels, right, it doesn't mean that I um, love that I'm going to go out and be like, I love all country music. No, it doesn't mean that. Or I love all of this or I love all of that, because a lot of people will say like, well, I hate this or I hate that or like, oh, I only listen to this kind of music. And it's like in all genres, each song is for me is viewed independently. It's yes. like, yeah, I really dig this song. Like that's, that's as far as it goes. But of course I'm somebody who hates labels. Like mm-hmm. I hate labels. I'm like, it's just music. It's just music. Listen to the stuff that you like and expand your horizons on the stuff that you don't like. Everything kind of falls into two genres for me. I used to call it, you tried or you didn't try, but it's since evolved into you were in it for the passion or you were in it for the quick money. Yeah. And I apply that to like any medium, 
any genre. I've heard songs where I'm like, that is a work of passion. And I've heard songs where I'm like, you legitimately just wrote that for, for, for the money. And it might be a song that I like a little. Yeah. You know? And those are, but those like, are the things that, those are the things that inspire too. Yeah. You know, like those are the things because you listen or see or read something that you didn't even have a concept of before. And all of a sudden it's like, what am I going to yeah. do with that? Um, Clover said, I grew up loving high, high fantasy. fantasy. We would watch all of Lord of the Rings every other weekend with yes. my aunt. Not surprised. I'm making D&D dice and TCG <laughs> cards now. I think it's awesome. And doing them brilliantly. Brilliantly. Beautifully. And you can feel the passion and inspiration in them. Sarah said, my high school teacher didn't teach. She showed slides. Said, do it. Never actually showed how or demonstrated how. Unfairly graded us when we turned it in. Never explained how to. How fix would you it. grade that? Like, that would be a badass teacher if if there was, were no grades. If there were involved, no grades, and if it was, it was all, like, you know what? Yeah, just do boom, it, and just it's do it all in the name of experimentation. Because I, I love that. I I do love that concept of doing it like that. But to sit there and do, and that's the problem is that there's a grading system on art, and it's like, screw you, man. Like, right? You don't know. You don't know what how awesome this art is or what inspired it or anything like that. You know? Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm going to uh, – let's not go into a rant. <laughs> Zara said, yes, let me do the wizardry. <laughs> wizardry. <laughs> Leah said, I agree on consuming resources. I take in a lot of movies and TV shows and music and books and especially cartoons and anime – Anything with a good story to inspire something. Absolutely. New. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and that's the thing that all of those stories, um, you know, Lord of the Rings, all that stuff. This is these are creations. These are art. And that's why I don't like I don't like having that separation when it comes to art. It's like, you know, whether it's a great story or a, a good book or a good song or a great painting mm -hmm. or um, a sculpture or jewelry or something like that. If it's something that calls your attention, then there is something inspiring there. There's something there for you. Yeah. yeah there's a reason that you, that you single it out. Yeah. Most definitely. I like looking into the ancient lore behind some of our stories too. Like the stories as far back as we can go, whether they be about stones, what people thought of amethyst a long time ago when it was a precious gem instead of a semi-precious gem and what it meant to people and what it signified when they wore it and so on and so forth. I like having that, that information base to draw inspiration from yep. as far back in our lore as we can get. And that's, that's, that's really cool. So like, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, we're, we're big. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're big dorks. Like we, we love, I love historical dramas and, um, documentaries yeah. about people. She does. Mm -hmm. uh, Diane said, my mom listened to all kinds of music. I didn't like some of it, but I learned to listen and appreciate the value of all music. And I think that's why I like all kinds of art and creativity. Yeah. It is It is really important because it's so easy to just get caught up in, and you see that all the time in the art world where there's like the stuff where People are like, well, this is what real art is, or this is what this is, or, you know, this is what artists should be doing, or, you know, and all that stuff. And it's it's interesting that 
you you have that in all those creative fields, right? Mm-hmm. You got a lot of people telling you what is real. Well, this is real music. This is good music. This is bad music. You know, and it's like um, when it comes to all that stuff, it's like no, it's not good or bad. It's just your opinion, man. You know, like <laughs> well said. <it's, laughs> Tish said, "Music evolves as we do. Songs that were trendy a hundred years ago sound kind of off to our ears now." but still likable. Same for almost everything in life, including our own short journey. Yeah. Here. Yeah. It's, I feel like with music, just as an example, you can listen to music from just about any era and you can pick out things that resonate with you. And we do. Pun intended. We do. We'll watch like a historical thing and somebody would be playing a lute and then we'll like ask the, the thing to play like lute music. Uh-huh. And then we're in the studio listening to loop music while we're like just picking it out like, oh, yeah, I kind of dig that. Music is an especially fun example for me because we've been using it to tell our stories and tales for such so a long, long time. And, and stories, you know, bards, you had music, yeah. you had poetry, you had, you know. Yeah. The, the, tales the oral of, traditions. The tales of Gilgamesh. Like we're talking about these are, this is like. Historical mm-hmm. documentation. And it's funny because there's a recent song. There's a recent song that came out and I'll just, um, I don't know what it's called, but it's the, it's the one by the weekend that sounds like the best 80s synth song. I think it's called Blinding Lights or something like that. And I told Rafi yesterday, I don't know what it is, but that song just does something to me. Like inside in my subconscious I just love it. Like it taps into something about the '80s synth era that because I'm obsessed with. We all secretly love the '80s. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> if I were to it, take on, I don't know if you can I sing I guarantee that. <laughs> you that everybody listening to this is going to be like, "Take me on, take me." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Atish said, but dorks are cool. Yeah, dorks are cool. Dorks are cool. Hi, Nanu. Uh, Chris Dahl said, travel to an inspiring location is inspiring. Beaches, forests, Grand Canyon. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. So you're like, you're opening yourself up to see things you've never seen before. You're opening yourself up to being in awe. Yeah. Right? Which... You can do it any time, but traveling to a place you've never been, it's almost like built-in awe because well, you know you're going to see some well, stuff. Well, it's experiences. That's mm-hmm. why that's why children are so fascinating because a lot of times they're experiencing something for the first time and it's magical. It's amazing, mm-hmm. you know? You get to be a and, kid. And I think I think obviously we could do that every day. The problem is that, you know, it, it's almost like as adults, we we think that it's normal to just become like Look up in the sky, you know, oh, look at this. Oh, I've seen stars. I've <laughs> seen the moon. Look at that tree over there. Oh, I know what a tree looks like. You know, like, and it's like, I, that was one of the things that I learned from watching my kids, you know, like after I went crazy and decided I was going to leave corporate and become an artist, watching my kids experiencing the world and thinking to myself, like, I don't want to lose that magic. Like, just because I've seen blades of grass doesn't mean that I've seen every single nuance of every single blade of grass. Why don't I pause for a moment and actually look? And I think that when you travel to a new place, 
it's almost like you give yourself permission to do that. Totally. Right? Yeah, you open yourself up you, to awe. You go in and you're looking around, you know, it's like, oh, wow, this is beautiful. Look at these trees. And I'm like, motherfucker, you got trees right in front of your house. Like, <laughs> but I know those trees. Yeah, but I know those trees. So it's like, I, I, I feel like that's, it's a great way to put a pattern interrupt into your normal life. But, I, but my biggest challenge is always, and the thing that I think is fun is to, just try and do that every day and totally. just, just be a kid and experience the world differently because honestly, every moment is different. Yeah. It was one of the things I loved about walking around in Chicago, like just being able to see the architecture and, and look at the different nuances. Like I, I loved experiencing this place brand new every time I went and visited mm-hmm. the downtown area um, because I noticed that people that didn't live there they were noticing things that I wasn't noticing. And I was like, okay, I let me stop. There's a lot to behold. Yeah. Most definitely. Um, Diane said, I got kicked out of a vocal class because the teacher insisted that opera was the only true music. Uh, ah. Clee, Clee had a, a vocal teacher that was something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I used it to fuel my forward momentum. I was told that I had a great ear for music, but that I was weak as a vocalist. Yeah. And I was like, what do I do about that? <laughs> That's yeah. not constructive unless it comes with like techniques to improve my weakness. <laughs> so I was sad about it for a while. And then after high school, I got over it and joined rock bands yeah. and pushed myself forward. Exactly. KJ said, my spouse said she hated my taste in music for years. Now she's asking to share my playlist. Well, times, times be, be changing. changing. Yeah. I love that. Uh, Gobble said, I work nights. Every night there, all I do is watch shows like Ancient Aliens and history stuff while people are asleep. I love Ancient Aliens with Big Hair Guy. Yeah, he's great. I love Big Hair Guy. <laughs> Crystal said, Space Age Love Song. Space Age Love Song. Um, yeah. Zara said, it a do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Tish said, wait. I'm still a kid. Indeed, Tish. We're, we're all, you know, the the thing about it is, and this is, this is purely what I am absolutely convinced by uh, based on my life and based on other people's life, the stuff that I've observed. Basically, we, we are kids. We are all just kids. It doesn't matter how old you get, except we think that we're supposed to play adults, Right. And it's kind of like the same thing when you watch like little kids and they're like playing adults and they 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 get all stern and serious and stuff like yeah. that. And they're like, well, today we're going to blah, 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 Bobby. You know, like they just get really serious. And I feel like that's what adults actually are. They're just a bunch of big kids pretending to be adults and think that being an adult means that you are serious and dumb i guess so yeah that's that's my interpretation i forget who the um author is but we watched a master class with a comedy author and it was a great one and basically it was summed up in two words if you want to be excellent at your thing that you do pay attention pay attention yeah it was and for him it was you know paying attention to the little nuances of conversations and moments that 
could be documented in a humorous Mm -hmm. way. But that goes for all of it. Pay attention. Notice those things that that stand out to you. Yep. Think about why they do. Draw from it. And that's what it is. It's just it's just stopping and paying attention. It's so easy to run through life and like you're thinking about, okay, I got this thing going on later on. I got to do this and I got to do that and mm-hmm. I got to do this and I got to do that. And there's this and I got to finish this and I got to finish that. And then, you know, you haven't paid attention. The day's almost done and like, well, what happened? You know, you could ask someone, if somebody asks you, were there clouds in the sky today? And you can't answer that question, then you're not paying attention. Assuming you went outside. Or if you have a window. (laughs) Windows exist. You can look out your window. Depending on what window. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Depending on what window. I agree. (laughs) I'm Uh, not saying it's aliens, said Zara, but (laughs) with a smiling, laughing face. Nanny said growing up, if for people who have abandoned their is for people who have abandoned their imagination, now pass me the crayons. Yeah. <laughs> I think and I think that it's just kinda like the boiling frog thing, you know, like you get thrust into a world where you're constantly being told that you're gonna have to be responsible. For a lot of us, we grew up in a household where they were like, You wouldn't survive on your own for five minutes, you know, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And like you're supposed to take it all very, very serious. And I'm like, no, life is things are going to be hard as it is. There's no point in making it all serious and gross. 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 Crystal is asking, was there a super moon? Uh, which, uh, um, before, <laughs> yeah, before yeah. we kicked off this podcast, we were informed that we had missed an incredible moon yeah. last night. So we did miss what was up in the sky, but that's Fail. good. You evaluate the situation and then you remedy the situation by paying attention. Yes. And, you know, telling Clee, like, next time, let me know. Because you're the, the... I'm the one. I could just put all, all my blame on you. Yeah, I didn't that's see good... the moon because Clee did not tell me that the moon was there. That's a good way to live, for sure. <laughs> Gobbles Gossip says, my music studio windows are covered with foam. Thank you for illustrating an example of a window that might not provide insight into the status of the clouds. It's foam. There's little holes in it. You could see outside. It's not even like that. You don't know how it's like. <laughs> I know what it's like. <laughs> the worst thing I ever did was grow up, said Diane. Yeah. You know what? And just, just admit to yourself that you never did. Yeah. I was once accused. Listen to this, you guys. Because I was talking about imagination and stuff, I was once accused of having a Peter Pan syndrome. Is that a thing? Yeah. It's it's. Peter Pan syndrome is attested to people that do not want to grow up and they basically stick their head in the sand and don't pay attention to the quote unquote real world around them. Oh, I see. And Mm -hmm. I was like, just because I'm not focused on all the bull crap that you're focused on doesn't mean that I don't know what's going on. It just means I don't don't care. Yeah, and also I would argue that I'm not the one with my head in the sand. <laughs> Rachel said, big hair guy, Giorgio. Giorgio is laughingly referred to as my boyfriend. By my entire by family. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Rachel's also said, including my husband who bought me a t-shirt that said that. That's great. Sarah said, I painted the ghosts in my house as a young person. 
that's that's kind of neat. Sarah, you're still a young person. Just paint more ghost. Mm-hmm. Tish said, my ex used to tell me to grow up, and I asked why, and he'd say, because you're an adult, to which I inquired why. He'd roll his <laughs> eyes and stomp away. <laughs> that's fun. I love it. Yeah, so I would say to close off this podcast, um, you know, first off, I'll read KJ's comment there. Adulting is overrated. Being a kid is much more fun, uh, which I absolutely agree with. I uh, I actually have a saying that I have written down in the writing room that I want to put in my next book, which is, um, you know, adulting is overrated we should all be unadulterated oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. i like that and that's unadulterated unadulterated mm-hmm. you know it's because it's overrated so yeah yes most definitely yeah so that's going to be in my next book that i write titled to be determined indeed there um, are a few books uh there are a few books in the and ether. here is the shameless plug-in that's going to go in this uh podcast <laughs> you called it a shameless plug-in <laughs> Uh, so if you are interested in reading any artist books out there, any of you that are reading the, um, reading that are listening to this podcast, I have three books that are currently out there. The Rogue Artist Survival Guide, The Rogue Artist Marketing Guide, and The Rogue Artist Money Guide. Um, so yeah. And those are available on Amazon and also they are available on Audible as of last week. So there we go. End of shameless plug-in. Great. Excellent job. Well done. I'm going to call it plug-in from here on out since yeah. I made that mistake. It's a thing. Once. Yeah. It's a thing now. Diane said, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us. <laughs> oh, man. I miss those. Yeah. I remember when we used to sing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As a child, my night gown used to glow and levitate above me while I was in bed. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, Gobbles Gossip. See, those are the things that adults just claim not to see. So, you know, they're missing it all. They got their head in the sand. So let's be kids and see everything that there is to see and be inspired by everything that there is to be inspired by because life is happening right now. And I think that as artists, that's what we capture in whatever medium it is that we do, whether it's a medium of, uh, you know, whether it's Life happening and inspires our imagination into something fantastical or we see magic out in the world or we see um, colors or values or shapes or whatever it is that we see. All of that stuff is out there just waiting to inspire us. Mm -hmm. So but you got to be a kid to see it. Yeah, it's funny how adults are always yelling at kids to pay attention (laughs) Yeah, I know. The truth is that kids are just paying attention to very different things. Yeah, and especially when they're paying attention to, like, the fine details and they catch an adult in uh, contradiction and then they're like, just listen to what I'm telling you. (laughs) Yeah. You pay attention, Mom. And that's why (laughs) kids act, like, very serious when they're playing adults. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, Bobby, you're not supposed to be, you know, and that's... And unfortunately, that's what we think being an adult is. And I think that being an adult should be fun. Aye. It should. Aye. Aye, aye, Captain. (laughs) Like I said, we've been watching, we've been uh, marathoning old Star Trek. Yeah, it's excellent. All right. Well, I think that that was a great podcast. I think we should bring it to 
Uh, and then Valerie said, I've listened to all three audiobooks and they are awesome. Thank you, Valerie. That's awesome. Um, Laura said, feeling blocked today. Perfect timing for awesome. the live stream. Awesome, Laura. Well, I uh, am going to tell everybody at home, thank you so much for listening. Tell everybody here, thank you guys so much for being here for the podcast. It's always fun when you guys are here and especially with these certain subjects where everybody's chiming in mm -hmm. on the inspiration that we felt. Thank you. You guys are absolutely inspiring. And again, thank you to everybody listening to this. And if you like this and you want to listen to more uh, podcasts like this, Clean and I do this once a week, go ahead and click whatever platform you're on, anywhere that you could subscribe or follow us. And other than that, I think it is time to say goodbye. Say goodbye, Clee. Good day. Adios. Adios.